0: and your life will go well. It had been a good life. He had been reared in Amherst in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the only son of Horace Lamb, a proper professor of classics and rhetoric, and his wife Matilda. In the quiet, green-canopied village of Amherst, Richard had learned his classics well, and ancient history, too, before attending Harvard College over at Cambridge. Then, as a youthful assistant professor, he had returned to his father's campus to teach, whiling away his springtime pleasantly in the bosom of academia, until he grew bored with words and paper and an old man's life. He knew there were better things, a vast wilderness, for example. After spring term, he had quietly packed, said goodbye to his startled parents, and headed west toward St. Louis, and never looked back. He had joined the Ashley Expedition and toiled his way into a stunning new life. He was young and he was free. He had first seen this place in the autumn of 1831, when he, in a small company led by Jim Bridger, had trapped Elk Creek for a while. It was a dangerous place to be, well within the southern reaches of Blackfeet lands. Along the lower creek was ample evidence that it was a favorite summer ground for Bugs Boys. There were fire pits, Middens of bones, abandoned lodge poles, and dried horse dung dotting the lush meadows up and down the creek. But this was not a good wintering place, since the whole land opened out upon the north, naked before the arctic winds. And so the pigans, or Siksikas, who summered here, left for more sheltered places. Richard Lamb learned to come here in the spring and the fall and gaze upon this Eden where he would someday build his home. He never failed, through all the years of trapping beaver, to visit this sacred place and dream his dreams. By 1840, the fur trade had declined, and Richard Lamb eked out a small living from trapping and trading buffalo hides, needing little more than powder and galena for his hawkin and a few supplies. It was still dangerous to come here alone, and not until smallpox devastated the Blackfeet Federation was it possible to linger beneath these giant cottonwoods beside the Laughing Creek. In 1850, he settled at last, already a graying, middle-aged man, and by then he was not alone. His young Siksika wife, Aspen, and their twin five-year-old daughters were with him. There, upon the dancing creek, he had slowly erected a great, solid log home, he and those brothers of Aspen he could employ, such as Black Wolf. It was to be both a home and a trading post. For fine peltries and good buffalo robes, he would trade knives and muskets and lead and powder and cast-iron pots and iron arrowheads and calico and four-point blankets and a lot more freighted up by river packet to Fort Benton on the Missouri. On one of those packets came a bull and a breed cow, and sheep and chickens and apple saplings, all of which he had carefully nourished into herds and flocks and orchards, until he was able in the 1860s to supply the mining camps of Helena and Bannock and Virginia City and Confederate Gulch and Maiden and Butte with beef and lamb and eggs and fruit the girls grew. In 1861, he married them off to fine Siksika youths, and now there were seven Blackfeet lodges up the creek a bit. With an army of relatives, the old man could hardly keep straight, especially the grandchildren, and all of them helping him run a large enterprise and enjoy the peace and security of his fortress home. No tribe had ever attacked it, for word of his fair dealing had spread east to the Sioux and Cheyenne, and south to the Crow, and west to the Flathead and Shoshone. But even though it was manned by Blackfeet, it was a neutral post, and frequently visited by Indians for whom the word Siksika had meant mortal enemy for as long as the elders could remember. As the old man gazed out upon the great massif of the crazy mountains, still white this June day, and glowing pinkly in the long sun, he thanked God, as he always did, for this day and this place for although he had discarded the whole of white civilization he retained a firm and wondrous sense of god a lord of this creation that had permitted him to live so well and so long in such a fine health among those he loved his focus dropped to the seven lodges two hundred yards away smoke from breakfast fires curled up from some of them